to Pharmacy View podcast, where we provide regular interviews with pharmacists and key industry people within Australian pharmacy and associated industry. In this stream of podcast episodes, we discuss aspects of pharmacy career, resources and training, and how each area interacts with guest current role or pharmacy-related business. I'm your host, Kavita Nadan, pharmacist founder from Locomate, and my guest today is proudly brought to you by Shopfront Solutions. For all of your shelf and digital marketing needs, part of the Arion Technologies Group. Hello to our wonderful listeners. It's not every day you get to interview an inspirational figure since your childhood days. I remember meeting Stephen Kastronakis as a young 10-year-old in my old hometown of Maui in Gippsland, Victoria. And pretty much since then, I haven't left his side. I don't know where to begin in introducing you all to Steve, a pharmacist by trade. Steve was the CEO of Advantage Pharmacy Group, which recently nursed with Instagram to form Pharmacy Platform and now board member for the newly formed Platform Alliance Group. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for the invite. Thank you. <laughs> now, I don't think I did your introduction any justice, but if you could just let all our in- listeners know, who is Stephen Kastridakis? Well, I, I think you did. I think you did very well, and I, I think um, ever since you've sent me the invite, it um, I have been reflecting on the time that we had met. You know, when I was a pharmacist back in Maui, and um, your parents were patients at the store, and um, yeah. when you had then moved to Berwick, and yeah, you had asked for a, a job in pharmacy, and it just sort of went from there. So, um, no, it's, it's been a, it's been a great journey, and yeah, when I reflect back on yeah, last year was thirty years in pharmacy. Um, and in ownership, wow, wow. and and it's gone very quickly. Um, yeah, sort of starting off in Gippsland with your yeah, business partner John Cardis, and 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 then sort of meeting up with Michael Gray, and just sort of the journey over the last thirty years from you know owning a, like a couple of stores, um, then you know having the idea I, I'd say in two thousand and one to create what was the Gippsland Pharmacy Group at a very regional level, which then became the Advantage Group as we have known it. And the journey, and I guess also the, the distractions that actually happened along the way, because we were one of the the first franchise groups with um, with Priceline. So we ran a number of and owned a number of their stores and rolled out stores interstate. Um, but also that became a, a little bit of a distraction for us because you know were we going to stay Priceline or were we going to end up being um, you know were we going to be Advantage? So there was there was that process, but I think we kind of realized at a point in time that it was about creating our own group. And once we sort of were very clear in our vision, that that changed. And then we sort of, you know, decided to grow the Advantage Group. And I think by the time we did our first merger in October 2020, we had gotten to 280 members um, under that particular group, um, both under um, Advantage and Chemist Discount Center as our discount brand. Um, but, you know, we did make a, a decision back in sort of 2010, there was sort of a, a real turning point in, in our process as far as um, investing in our own brands, which is Advantage, creating a discount model based on what the market, I believe, was needing at the time. Um, and then really getting into automation by yeah, investing in creating ByteRight, uh, a purchasing ERP platform, um, and also then getting into creating a data and loyalty platform as in know-it-all. And those bits of tech uh, and that automation has sort of you know, been a big part of our group and I think has separated us from from other groups, you know, in the last few years. Um, it has also been instrumental in creating the merger. And, you know, once we created Pharmacy Platform, um, you know, we went from 280 stores in Advantage 
um, to 380 stores under pharmacy platform and then sort of more recently merging with um, Pharmacy Alliance Group to create the Platform Alliance Group with now close to 1,100 pharmacies. So um, I think the it was some of the, the technology and the vision that we had which made us a, a good partner, I think, to merge with because of the, the points of difference that we had um, in, our, in our stable because we weren't just a pharmacy group. There were points of difference that made us appealing to other members in the profession as well. Yeah. So that's our 30-year journey. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot to achieve, even though it's 30 years, there's a lot that's packed in there. And I think what, you know, having all those different platforms that you managed to have and being on top and ahead of the game allowed you to be one of the leading groups in, in our industry um, and create this merger that we have now. Now, you've gone through a lot in the last 30 years that we reflect on. What do you feel were some of your biggest challenges that you faced along that way? Um, I think in the, in the early days, you know, the, the first challenge was actually owning one store and running it successfully. Um, you know, people what? sort of sometimes forget where you started from. Yeah, you know, we always have the the joke of we didn't know the difference between an invoice and a statement to start off with. Um, yeah, you know, like in the <laughs> in the very early days, because yeah, you know, I had never really managed a store before. I had bought my first store, so that was the um, a real baptism of fire. Um, yeah, mixed in with also, yeah, leaving the the family home, yeah, as a 24-year-old to go to Gippsland. It wasn't something that people um, normally did back then, yeah, to leave um, Melbourne and, yeah, have a business partner and then both move to Maui. That was a, that was a bit challenging, um, yeah, at the time. Um, yeah, mix that in with, you know, sort of if you fast forward eight or 10 years and then having the, the idea of creating a group and it was only regional. But that concept of people saying that you were going to fail um, and getting suppliers on board because suppliers felt inhibited about these two Gippsland groups coming together to create what was the Gippsland Pharmacy Group with yeah only eight or ten stores at the time. Um, that was that was a challenge, um, and also the next challenge for us was really when we were doing the Priceline stores because we were the second Priceline store that opened up in the group. There was a lot of suspicion again from suppliers as to whether it would work, but also um, we were kind of outcast by our fellow pharmacists for joining, a, you know, like a competitor such as Priceline who didn't have, you know, who was just making their foray into pharmacy. Now you fast forward, you know, 20, 21 years and, you know, very much Priceline pharmacy is accepted as a norm. Yeah. But back, back in the days, you know, um, it wasn't very well accepted by the profession because there was this outside competitor coming in. And yeah, when I look back at the, at that 30 years, you know, they were kind of big hurdles that we had experienced in terms of my own sort of professional lifetime. Yeah, of course. And I think going into something which is new and untested waters as well always brings with it, you know, a, a bit of mistrust from not just the partners and the group, but uh, generally the public as well. And, and you sometimes end up doubting yourself a little bit as to, is this the right decision? Are we going down the right path? Um, you know, when I asked you about the challenges you face, with challenges comes either success or failure. What do you feel have been some of your biggest failures in life um, and especially on your journey? Well, I, I mean, the, the fate is, I, I think it's the failures that define you and either they make you yeah, or, they, or they break you. And And I think that, you know, you can't, say that you're entrepreneurial unless you have had failures. I think you can't always choose the, the safe middle ground. 
especially if you want to be a pioneer um, in certain areas. I look back at sort of, I think, you know, when I look back at my first year pharmacy college and having failed, um, you know, that was, that was sort of, that was really difficult to deal with as a sort of 18, 19 year old at the time. Um, you know, when you come yep. from a high, nice sort of, you know, cuddled uh, sort of high school environment into this big world of, of uni and then not getting through. And, but I think also the effect it had um, on my parents at the time. Um, yeah, sort of, you know, it, it, I think my father's words were that um, um, I had destroyed all of his vision of, of coming to Australia as an immigrant um, and wanting oh, to educate. Gosh. So it was a, it was a, that was across the bear yeah. for a long time. But, yeah, but it really made me, you know, when I look back and, and it's, you know, sort of, yeah, probably 35 years ago, but when I look back and reflect on that time um, and going to see the registrar at the college about why I should yeah. be allowed to come back in, and, you know, and him saying that if you don't know why you failed, you will continue to fail. And he yeah. said, you've got to go away over the holidays and think of what you did wrong and then come back with a new attitude. And that's really been a bit of a mantra in terms of life, as in when you do have failures, you've got to go back and you've got to examine what you did, what you did wrong, and how, then how not to repeat that. And, you know, and look, and we've bought stores and I have been involved in stores over time that haven't been successful. Um, and you look at sort of, you know, the things that you've done, um, where they fail, whether it be location, um, brand, um, yeah, in some stores that we've owned that we've decided that were a failure for us that we've sold have now been very successful for other operators. You know, we were in that market yeah. too early. Um, you know, you look at some of these greenfield sites and their propensity to draw cash becomes um, so enormous that people don't have the patience to stay there. And, you know, keep funding these things. So, like I said, you know, yeah. um, you, you have those particular failures, but you, you learn. But it shouldn't take away your entrepreneurial spirit, you know. And, it's, and, if, you've, and if you're truly entrepreneurial um, in that sense, is you've got to basically just get up. You've got to dust yourself. And you've just got to get out there and just keep on, keep on doing it again. And you just keep on rolling with the punches, I think. I love that, Steve, because I think it's so important, um, especially in this day and age, like people just are so scared to get out of their comfort zone. But if you don't do it, regardless of what the outcome is, yeah. you're not going to be able to know what's out there, right? Well, and I think, you know, uh, my sort of criticism of some of the young pharmacy students coming through now is um, they have the aversion for risk. You know, you talk yes. to them about buying a shop and I don't want to be critical of them, but they seem to be more scared than I think my equivalent was 30 years ago. Now, whether it be, you know, there's a different environment, whether they've been cuddled a lot more by their parents um, and you know, the social environment, but their, that ability for somebody to go and buy a shop with a business partner or themselves or to back themselves, I see now as something that, is, that, that has left the profession over time. And we try and structure things and try and involve, um, you know, young pharmacists. And all I talk about is, how are you going to guarantee me? How, what, you know, where's the safety blanket? And it's almost like they yeah. want the upside of business, but they don't want the risk. And, and I think that's yes. sort of a theme that's coming through that we see that. Yeah. Yeah. But also having said that, I, I think that the pandemic has actually been very interesting for our profession in the, the students that are coming through now. And I think, you know, um, from a health perspective, it's really put, you know, pharmacy on the map. And I'm happy to talk about that in a different context later. Awesome. And I think what you allude to is that, you know, what we want is, uh, you talk about the security blanket, is a bit of that support network, which, you know, a lot of groups and, and partners who, who want junior partners to come in, provide that support network. 
Yep. Speaking of like going back and, and looking at your career, what were some of the support networks or um, that you had in place to be able to fall back on um, yep. in case things got a bit tough or if you wanted to celebrate success, you know? Yeah, I think you've got to work out. I'd worked out very early on in the piece that I actually worked better in a partnership than as a solo operator. And I think I was very yeah. fortunate in in my choice of partners, you know, sort of initially and along the way. And I think the the core partners that have been there from day one are still there. And I think that you need to have that support because you're not always going to have a good day. Um, and you need sort of someone yes. else to pick you up on those difficult times. I think also when you're looking at partnerships or partners is try to find partners that have complementary skills to you rather than the same. Um, yeah, this is, this is a diversity game. You've got to try and be as diverse as you possibly can um, in your partnership. And, you know, for those of you that know John Cardis and Michael Gray, you probably couldn't find three individuals that are so diverse um, you know, in the pharmacy. Yeah, like, you know, we're very dissimilar. But also what's important is we're also very aligned. Um, so you can have, yeah. so I, I actually look at part of like the success of our partnership on the basis of the diversity that we have within that partnership, the different skill sets. Yeah, like I may want to be entrepreneurial, um, you know, do strategic things, um, you know, look at new brands, look at new opportunities. Yeah, whereas, you know, John would look at, at the IT, the automation, the platforms, and has that self-taught knowledge in that space. And, and Michael Gray, you know, looking at things strategically as well, but also then looking after our stores. So when you look at it in a diverse sort of range, and also Michael having the, that law skill set has brought a different feel to our, our partnership where we're doing things internally. Um, and that's allowed us to become, I guess, appealing um, and it sort of probably reflects on maybe why you had joined us as well. Like yeah. a group is, is yeah. that diversity um, and that you have that skill set and you broaden the skill set. And yeah, with that comes some strength and the ability to do things rather than always outsourcing. Yes, exactly. Um, using using yeah, your team. Partnerships yeah. that work well can work very well and it helps you celebrate those successful moments. Um, but also it's, it becomes an ideas balancing session and you get together. But I can also understand that there are partnerships at time which just don't work because the individuals are not aligned. And like I said to you, it's good to be different, but you must be aligned. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think sharing that same vision and goal is important. It just, you, you might have different skill sets that bring you to that point. And, um, you know, nothing's usually a weakness. It's just we're going to use it in a different way to be able to achieve the same outcome. Now, you've been very fortunate to, to be involved in a lot of projects over the years. What are some of the biggest changes that you felt in our industry that have happened that you've actually been directly involved in? I would say, I'd say that the sort of the biggest change in the industry I saw was probably that mid nineties um, where there was that forward pharmacy concept. And I think, you know, yeah. it's probably before the time of maybe a lot of the listeners, but yeah, you go back into that sort of where you had the raised dispensary, the pharmacist at the back, um, you know, not as accessible. And then the Victorian Pharmacy Authority changing the recommended guidelines, you know, where the pharmacist was you know, not on a raised pedestal as such on the step and, you know, more accessible to the public. I think that was a, like a, a big change in terms of my career, but also the concept of that forward pharmacy that we don't really think about now because it's just the norm, you know, people getting out there, they're at counselling pods. But that was, and that was inhibitory, I think, for a lot of pharmacists. And I was very lucky that I was sort of very young in my career at that time, like I was mid-20s, and, you know, you can adapt to that change. And I think it was yes. sort of all the things that came out of uni 
you could say I, I can now do it. And and that was really um and that brought a different feel to the profession. I think that was one change. The other sort of change that I see is now that the change really of what the pandemic has actually brought and the way that pharmacy is now being perceived by not only the public, which is they're the ultimate, but it's the way that we're now seen by government. Yes. And I think, yep. you know, yep. what really heartens me is, um, and I know you're probably thinking about like changes that I've been that I've been involved in, but the change that sort of that I've seen that has actually happened in our lifetime. And I look at say the last three years because we're coming up to three years of the pandemic and I see where we were placed and, and you go back 10 years where we were just starting to do vaccinations and just being able to do flu vaccines and it was a it was a big thing. Um, there's a total mindset sort of shift now, you know, where we're looking at that full scope of practice and you know, engaging pharmacists. And I, I think that'll be such a positive for the profession because I think it'll actually bring in a whole lot of young new students that actually see the profession to be much broader than what it is today. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, patient yeah. care, patient engagement, um, and also remuneration. And I think the what what I'm seeing and what I'm sensing in going forward is there will be a shift in the healthcare model. It'll probably move more towards, I think, a US a user pays model where yeah. people are actually getting used to um, paying for services. The government can't keep on funding it. And we're seeing that pressure now happening, um, you know, with, um, with Medicare in that, you know, um, yeah, they can't fund the services. Um, bulk billing is actually being challenged um, at the moment. Yes. You know, we're, we're seeing in regional areas, the bulk billing is starting to change where people, whether they're pensioners or not, are paying $30 out of pocket, um, et cetera. And, yep. and I think people are now accepting the fact that, you know, going into a pharmacy and having a consult may, will be a charged event. Um, and also, and the fact is they're, they're, they're going to pay it because they're going to see the value and they see the engagement and they see the advice. And, and I really think the fact is we're now getting support from governments and more so than I have ever seen in that 30-year period. Like governments, you know, pharmacy was always forgotten as part of the primary care model. You know, when you hear governments and health ministers speaking now, they talk about, you know, the value of pharmacy. Um, and, you know, we spoke about it in terms of vaccines the last couple of years. But there's so much more that has come to the, the forefront in people's minds. So I think the public are uh, actually accepting of it. And, and I think that's where the profession will flourish. So I think it has a very positive future in that way in terms of patient engagement. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, you mentioned the pandemic. The pandemic, as as hard and tough as it was, it really, really did put pharmacy at the forefront of a lot of the healthcare professional professions we have right now. And especially this increasing scope of practices. Literally, we went to university for this and now it's just bringing everything that we've learned to the forefront. So I think it's really exciting. No, and I think also when you look at the young students coming through and you know, compared to Total. what I had gone through, you know, the pharmacy practice they're doing and the engagement, you know, they have so much to offer. And, you know, sometimes yep. they become a bit disheartened, you know, in certain retail settings because they just feel that they're robotic. But, you know, sort of part of our journey is to say, yeah, let's use automation to the best that we can, um, you know, to free up the pharmacist to spend as much time as possible with the patient. And and they're the things that are important. But yeah, what like I said, what really heartens me is the fact that there's the engagement by government and patients and the students coming through are wanting to get out there. And you know, when you're using and that's where it's good to use automation. I think, yeah, you look at in my lifetime, you know, dispense techs 
you know, when I had first started, even as a student, they were not as they weren't common. Yeah, you know, it was only the larger pharmacies that had a yes. dispense deck. Yeah, you know, pretty much now every pharmacy may have two or three. Yeah, um, but yeah, you know, I look at now that that um, the change as far as Webster medication packing, you know, DAAs, all of those things. Yeah, you know, we're using technology to actually free ourselves to spend more time with the patient. And I think the more we get in front of them, yeah, the more we can change the health outcome, which makes us more important. Oh, yes, 100% agree with that statement. Um, So just reflecting back, if you could do anything differently that you've done in your career, yes, (laughs) would there be anything? (laughs) There's there's lots of things. You look at sort of the, yeah, you look at the mistakes along the way. Um, you know, like I probably would have um, been a bit more bullish and bought a few more far- regional pharmacies um, than, than what I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, you know, when you look at, you know, rentals, returns um, and lifestyle, like I, I look at that, um, I, I would have probably um, would have liked to have focused more on my own group um, as in advantage and creating that model rather than becoming distracted with the price line model. So, um, you know, the, the price model has been good for us, but it actually distracted us for a number of years. And, and I look back now at that sort of four-year intense period where we were focusing on just um, price line stores and not our own group. And yeah, that, that's um, a regret that I have. And it's very hard to get the four years back. But, but yeah. also having had that experience, I, I think, you know, once you have that experience, you say, well, okay, I need to focus on what our strategies and our plan. I think it actually allowed me to kind of fast forward my own sort of plans after that. Like it's almost like I did a four-year course um, of something that I do want to practice in. So therefore I thought, okay, I've got to change tact here. And yeah, yeah. And, and that's sort of, yeah, if I could if I could change that. But yeah, like do I have regrets? I think we all do, but you know, not significant enough to say that, you know, that was that was terrible. That was disastrous. I actually feel quite fortunate in my career that yeah, you always have bumps along the way. You may choose the wrong stores, the the wrong locations. Yes. You may go down a, a different path. But by and large, you know, um, and I think one of the kind of things of entrepreneurship is you've got to have that perseverance. And you know, and it's good. Yeah, like there's, it's a little bit about you know, it's a lot about vision, but and, and flexibility. But you've got to have that perseverance, and you've just got to keep on following the path. And if it's the right path, and I think what's important is that, and I tend to look at sort of life in kind of two, three-year blocks. And I don't, I don't have this kind of 10-year plan because I think it's, it's so difficult. I, I find it very difficult to think 10 years ahead. But, you know, if you sort of work in sort of, you know, two to three-year blocks, I think it's much easier to sort of set yourself, you know, like, like some goals and then you can have some longer-term things. But, yeah, like you've really got to work. Uh, for me, what works for me is sort of the more real rather than the yes. abstract. You know, yes, I find, Yeah, I find, you know, 10 years and living in some small village and fishing and stuff together. That, that, that's, that's just too far ahead. Yeah, like I just can't get to that point. <laughs> so um, you spoke about a couple of things, perseverance being one of the qualities that you should really, you know, persevere yep. and, um, and, and think about. What do you think are some of the other qualities a budding entrepreneur should, um, should really have yes. or possess? The one thing is two. I think the two most important for me is you've got to have a vision. So if you're going to be entrepreneurial is you've got to have some vision. You've got to have an idea. You've got to, and I think you have to dream big, you know, um, well, yeah. think of something audacious, be bold. And that's sort of, if I look at sort of some of my regrets is I think I was 
very measured in my thinking. And sometimes you get, you, you, you have this fear of failure. Sometimes I think you've got to think, just think big, think that, you know, I remember there was a, there was a point in time in, in 2010 where we had, um, we had, uh, I would say about around 60 pharmacies, um, in the group and we had this vision of, you know, becoming Australia's largest independent pharmacy group. And we set a goal, like a, a five or six year goal. I think it was sort of for it to happen in 2015. Well, the, the thing is it didn't happen in 2015. It happened in 2022. Um, and, and part of that vision yeah. was, you know, how do we become the largest independent pharmacy group? Now in the end, yeah, the other part of it is you've got to work hard, but, um, you have to adapt along the way and, you know, cause it's not a straight line. And as part of that, um, sort of entrepreneurship is you need to, you need to sort of change. You've got to change things up and, you know, we weren't going to get to being the largest, you know, group, um, organically. So it actually involved a couple of mergers, but we still got yes. that and, and we, and we actually realized, and we realized the vision. And one of the things that comes out of that is scale. But the other part that I think is most important is that, um, is vision is number one and, and two is hard work. Um, you need, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not gifted. I'm never the smartest person in the room, but I reckon I would be one of the hardest working in the room. And that's one of the things that I've done over time is, you know, you've got to get to work early. You've got to physically put in the hours. Um, people think that they're going to achieve things on a part-time basis, you know, that working from home, uh, that may work for people. And there may be brilliant minds where they can create these things, you know, in different environments, et cetera. But for me, it's very much about rocking up to work, you know, You've got to be the first one in. You've got to be the guy that turn, turns off the lights, you know. And, and I think that hard work and put, just putting in the hours. And now we've got a, a mixed environment where people are working, you know, from home, remote, et cetera, based on their jobs. But I think, in, yeah, in the environment that I sort of came from, you know, putting in the hours, you know, um, working weekends, understanding your shops, understanding your customers. Um, and that's really what allowed myself and my partners, and it's larger due to them as well, is, understanding what the consumer wanted to then build pharmacy brands around that. But if you're not in your store, if you somehow don't understand the customer, you can, I'm, I'm fine. I mean, people can also read data, you know, and they can sort of you yeah. know, get results. And, and if it works for them and they can create brands out of data, kudos to them. Um, mine was just physical face-to-face. -face I had to slog it out. That's the only way it worked. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah, I love that though. Uh, so it's really, yeah, for me is, it's, it's, it's got to have a vision and I think you've just got to physically, you know, put in the hours. You know, they say, is, you know, like after 10,000 hours of something, you become an expert, you know, whether it be sport or any, or any hobby. Yep. I think you've really got to put in, you've got to put in the hours. Um, and also in there is, you know, you've got to just sort of really also, you know, be flexible, adapt, and, and you've got to connect with people as well. And you can't be a hermit because, you know, and I think, you know, one of the, uh, the, the most important lessons that I've learned in business and that I'm really learning still now is the value of good people. And, you know, and you can't have success without good people. And I think that is fundamental to anything that you're actually doing. Um, because, you know, now with that, you know, experiences, like I must admit, I, I have this, look, when, I, when I turned 50, I just came to a point in life where I looked at my parents who were 75 and I said, what will I be like in 25 years? And how do I get to my end point quicker? 
and I, you know, I must admit, I, I hire faster in terms of if I want to do something, I, I actually work faster than before. But I yep. also, but mm-hmm. also, if it doesn't work, I terminate faster. So, if the pro- <laughs> yes. If, so if the project is not working or the individuals, etc., then I, I draw that line in the sand a lot faster than what I would have in the past. You have to be kind in the process, but I think what's yes. also important is that you. Uh, that you don't, um, that's one of the things also in the group, like we're very tolerant and, you know, things kept on going on for yeah, a while and years and they, they just fester and they frustrate other people. So you have to, I, I think another sort of instinct is you have to have gut instinct and I think it says no. so much for, you know, how you act sometimes, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens, you know, in your, in your gut and there's lots of hormones and it sends signals to your brain and I think that that is really, really important, you know, as, as part of that mix. But, yeah, it's um. You gotta be. You gotta have vision. You gotta have hard work. And you know, if it doesn't work, you gotta like work out the day where you just draw. You you cut your losses, and it is a loss. Yeah. But you don't want to perpetuate the loss because it does. That in a partnership can actually start to cause a whole lot of other issues. Absolutely. So, yeah, draw the line and sands. Make that decision quicker than and then previously, just to Correct. make sure that it doesn't affect. The, the rest of the, the the journey, right? Um, so you know, you read about like the seven habits of successful people. Yes. Um, and you know, the, this CEO wakes up at three a.m. and yeah. drinks I don't know ice water and and blah blah blah. Yeah. What are some of the self care practices that you are consistent with and allows you to continue to be motivated and driven and and lead to success? I, I must admit, I'm not a I'm not the greatest reader of, you know, like those sort of motivational books, even though I have read, you know, some of them. I think, you know, what I look yeah. at now is I still go back to some of the fundamentals that I spoke about as in, yeah, what I do is I, I love what I do. Like I yeah. sincerely love what I do and I feel very blessed that I have choice to choose things now that I really want to do. And I think that makes it really yeah. easy. But but I love my profession. I love the practice of pharmacy and I miss you know, not being with patients, you know, sort of at that cold face. Um, but I think as, you know, putting in the, the hard work and, and having disciplines is you always, you always got to have, um, you've got to be very, um, I suppose, passionate also about having some time out and, you know, doing the things that you love outside your chosen profession. And it really comes about that, you know, everything in life needs to be in measure. So, you know, you've got to have, you know, things, you know, the things that are important and I know I'll do a little bit of running and stuff like that, but you know, the things that it's actually taught me is that, you know, you've got to hydrate, you know, like you've got to drink, you know, water during the day. And that sounds really silly, but when you, you know, when you don't do it, I think, you know, also sleep is immensely important. That ability to reboot, you know, to go to bed and get a good night's sleep and, and also follow a passion, which is totally out of the realms of what you're doing in terms of every day, you know, whether it be running, triathlons, yeah, events, golf, whatever people do is, I think you've got to have something which uses different synapses in your brain. And, you know, and that is, you've got to to have the time out um, from the seven day kind of thing is, is just too difficult to do, but yeah. And it gives you something different to look forward to. So yeah, sort of having and creating some really healthy habits, um, I I think is fundamentally important because I see this, yeah, it's, this is not a sprint. It's a, it's a marathon, you know, and you, you got to play, mm-hmm. play the long game. So they're just some things that I do myself. Like I said, yeah, there's the self-help books and you can read that. But I think also, 
you know, you've got to have your good dose of hard work and you know, you've got to then also respect yourself enough to have some chill out time as well. Yeah, and it just gets that creative yeah. part of your brain activated, right? So, yeah, but, and, I th- and I think, you know, like I used to feel guilty, you know, when I went on holidays in the early yes. days, you know, and, you know, and I used to sort of, you know, beat myself up about having leave, uh, you know, and I look at sort of, you know, because I, I love the profession and what we do, I would spend time overseas looking at pharmacies and some of the ideas that have actually come into our group have actually really come from overseas travels, snippets, um, different things yeah, where, where your mind becomes broader and you have that life experience. So, um, you know, don't feel guilty if you're having that holiday, you know, chill out, but also look at different markets, look at different ideas, um, you know. yeah. Don't restrict yourself to the one thing and don't feel guilty about actually having time off because, you know, like rest and recreation add, you know, like a lot to that brain capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great advice. Um, So as you come towards the end, Stevie, I just wanted to um, ask you, is there anything exciting, any exciting projects you're working on that you want to share, anything off the grid, as you should say, in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months? Yeah, look, I think when I look at it from a um, from a from a work perspective, you know, one of the the big investments that we're doing as a as as the Platform Alliance Group is really looking at automation and how do we how do we make things easier for our franchisees, our members, and it's really that investment in technology, um, and also yeah. creating a whole lot of um, you know programs and services for our members to help them maximise the income in their stores because. I know we dispense medicines. That is the, our main source of income. Cool. And that, that mm. is and that is the core. And you and you can't yep. get away from that. And because you can't, um, you know, survive purely on you know, the professional services um, aspect and and the programs. But yeah, you know, really, what we're working on is, um, I look at the programs and services that need to be around at the moment, um, and they're actually difficult to write. They're actually quite intense. They're they're quite sophisticated. And yeah, I think the average pharmacist doesn't have time in their stores. You know, like I look at, you know, when you look at say Facebook campaigns and I always say to people, be very careful if you're undertaking to do a Facebook page yourself. Is it you that's doing it or is it one of your young staff members? So when they leave, they then take all of that IP with them, but also, you know, Um, what happens after that? So there's some of the things that we're working on in terms of social media, um, looking at, you know, sort of the automation as far as our buy it right program, our know-it-all, because it's really important that our that the pharmacists out there understand their customer better and that they have that they use their database and you know like we have a, a great source of information I don't think as a profession we're actually using the information at hand to connect to the customer more so yeah sort of no, I no. sort of focus yeah sort of from a business perspective is and that was one of the reasons why you know we did the merger and people ask me why did you merge is scale is so important um, because it gives yes. you a larger database of members and franchisees to work with, but also it allows you to reinvest back into our profession because you have that the breadth of customers that you can't do in a small group. Like I remember back in the early days, you know, um, I could do a, a local advertisement in a local paper, business card size for $100 or so and write the ads each week. Well, you can't do that in this environment. And, you know, no. sort of, so from a professional perspective is, you know, really making sure that we can provide that ability for pharmacists to, you know, do what they need to run their business successfully. But again, creating all these background 
programs for them and the ability for them to just connect with their customer. And I think that's going to be, that's where we as a profession are going to win is if we keep getting the pharmacist in front of the patient. And then, yeah, how do we use all of the tech to help free us up? Because, you know, people, we just get so caught up in, you know, things and government and regs and paperwork that it's detracting us from the core focus. I think our job in that franchise space is how do we provide you or members solutions to actually alleviate them of those mundane tasks and spend more time with their their patients where they're valued the most. And that's, yeah, when you look at all the research, um, consumers are saying is we love the time with a pharmacist. We love the fact that we were cancelled. Yeah, they had time to talk to us. And, you know, like our job is how do we help um, take away the mundane, you know, the repetitive orders, um, all of those things. You know, how do we create a data and loyalty company where you can identify your top 100, 200 customers, where the income's coming from and do more of the right things? Because, you know, we, we have the data. It's just that we, we actually, as a profession, I don't think we use it anywhere as much as the large players. And that's where I think we as, as, a, as the Platform Alliance Group, we have that responsibility to help take our members through that journey in understanding their customers and just really providing those better health outcomes in the community. Yeah, I mean, data is a very powerful thing, resource, yep. and um, correct. We're, as long as we know how to utilise it correctly, that's how we're going to achieve the best outcomes. Yep. Thank you so much for today, Steve. Uh, thank uh, you. It's been, oh my gosh, I could just listen to you all day, but <laughs> I know we've got to cut it short. You've got stuff to do. Um, um, but thank, thank you, you so much. There's been so thank many insights, and um, I can't wait for everyone to listen to this. Thanks, uh, Steve. Thank you. Okay, see ya. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on the Pharmacy View podcast. And don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment if you found this episode of value or have feedback. Podcast episodes are promoted through social media, LinkedIn, YouTube, and major podcast mediums. And each episode can be found on the Pharmacy View webpage with links to the guest contact and business details. If you're a pharmacist or industry support supplier and would like to join us on an episode, send us a message through LinkedIn or complete the inquiry form on the Pharmacy View webpage. I'm your host, Kavita Nadan, pharmacist founder from Locomate, and thanks again for joining us today on the Pharmacy View podcast. Music